0: Thank you, Jordan, for leading us this far. And it is good to be back. I have had a spell from preaching for three weeks, even though I've been away for four. Um, I did preach on one of those weekends, and um, where Carl and Sharona worship, and Carl and Sharona also send their greetings to uh, you all here. We're going to turn to the scriptures and uh, if you don't need to turn to them because I've got this little text up on the screen and uh, as you see the title could well be a number of things but I've titled it Honour Your Parents. The text goes like this, Exodus 20 and verse 12 Honour your father and mother that the days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. May God add a blessing to his word um, this morning. So far, what we have done, up until my last session with you, we have covered what we call the first table of the law. The first table has got four commands, and by them we were challenged as to our relationship with God. For they are all to do with our worship and our uh, our priority, or the priority of God in our lives. But as we come to this fifth commandment, because that's what it is, the fifth commandment in the list of ten, we see the focus changes somewhat. While the first four commandments speak to our relationship with God, the last six on the second table of the law are to do with our relationships with each other. Also, this commandment acts like a bridge, a bridge between the two, the two tables, as you were, as it were, in that if our relationship with God is not right, our relationships with one another won't be either. In other words, if you flick down the other five commandments after this one, you would see things like thou shalt not murder and commit adultery and thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet. If our relationship with God is not right, those kind of things have the potential to thrive. And the foundational center, this is amazing, this is quite foreign in our culture today the foundational center which is the family unit the home or where mum and dad are is where god has designed for a right relationship for himself and right relationship with others to be learned do you get that that's why the family unit in the home is vitally important And that's why this fifth commandment is especially relevant and important for us today. And the reason being because we live in a world that has developed a thinking pattern where it seemed to be that the greatest blessing in life is deemed to be young and bowing to authority, whatever that authority may be, is only an option. It's believed that youth or being young is where the energy is, where the ideas are, and where the greatest value lies. Now, I know we all want to be young. People go to great expense to even look younger. But that's not really true, is it? Wisdom comes often, most likely, from greyheads. But anyway, that's our culture is deemed to be. Young is all what life is all about. And then when we come to authority figures in our lives, they're rebuffed in many cases and rejected in many cases. Youth is what everyone seems to be striving for, even if it means devaluing the place of mature and the authority figures that God has placed in our lives. This fifth commandment debunks such modern thinking. So we need to ask, how and where and why does God expect us to learn and value being submitted and obedient to this command? Where are we going to get all this from? Where are we going to learn it? Because it doesn't come natural. The answer is all tied up with the authority that God has placed in our lives that represents him. That's in the home. That's in the family. That's through our parents. It's in the home that honouring our parents is to be taught and learned. You got that? And how true it is, folks, as someone has said, no nation or community of people is stronger than the family structure that makes them up. As goes the home, so goes the nation, so goes the community, and so goes the church, etc., etc. In the home, God has established an order that is to be strictly followed. The husband or the father is to be the head of the home, and who submits himself to the will of his heavenly father. The wife is to be in subjection to the husband, not as doormat, but as his helpmeet. And children are to submit themselves to their parents and in doing so, they will be blessed of the Lord. You got that? It's a no-brainer. It's pretty clear here. And if this order is followed, then the home will be blessed. And you know what? That home will be a blessing to all those who are involved in it. As you know, many homes today are in a shambles. Absolute shambles because the children and the parents or the authority figures in that home have forgotten or rejected this fifth commandment. And today, like never before in the history of the world, the family home is under attack, people. Big time. Satan is out to destroy what God has designed right from the beginning back in Genesis to be the very foundational centre where we can please him. You see, when we step out or when we are out of step in the home, we'll be out of step with God and with our fellow human beings. And it is our parental relationship. That parental relationship, but the relationship we have with our parents or those who have been entrusted to be guardians over us, whatever you like to call it, because there's all sorts of mixes out there. It's our parental relationship that we learn first how to submit to the Lord and then how to serve our fellow man and how to live amongst others. But as we're thinking about this, this commandment is not only for youth or for children. It's also relevant for those who are mature as well, right? And as I'm thinking about this, this is a great illustration in the Bible on this. And there's nothing better than a biblical example to illustrate this. And, and you'll, you'll remember and recall this, but let me go through it with you. You'll remember... The account of Jesus, actually the only account of Jesus in his youth. And Luke, the Gospel of Luke records that when Jesus was only 12 years old, he went up from Nazareth with his, with his mother Mary and his adopted father Joseph to Jerusalem. It was quite a journey. And they went up to celebrate the Feast of Passover and after it was over, they began their journey home. Many families, no doubt, together and Jesus and Joseph and Mary were all together. Well, they thought they were and then they discovered they had a missing passenger. They had left Jesus behind. He was not with them. They'd already gone a day's journey. Imagine that, walking a day's journey. So any, like any good parent, They don't allow him to become a street kid and find his own way. They head back to Jerusalem to find their boy. Can you imagine their anxiety? You may have experienced this when you've lost one of your children in a shopping mall. You guys have only got little babies. That will come. That will happen. Where's Johnny? He was here a minute ago. He's gone. Hundreds of people. Anxiety creeps in big time. But searching, Joseph and Mary finally find him in an unexpected place. And no doubt this is where their anxiety turned to amazement. They found him sitting in the temple, surrounded by scholars and teachers, questioning him. And they were all astonished at the wisdom and understanding that Jesus was displaying in his communication. What I want to highlight here is what the story tells us about Jesus. He had profound wisdom and understanding beyond his years. It was wisdom and understanding that amazed the doctors and the theologians of his day. But this wisdom did not come from him just because he was a remarkable and a bright youngster, no. Mary's boy had such amazing wisdom and understanding because he was the eternal son of God in human flesh. That's why. And so he was the very Son of God He was conceived in Mary's womb by the Spirit of God in order to be the Savior of fallen, sinful humanity. This lad who who had astonished the scholars with his wisdom was none other than the very Eternal One who had created all things, was the very incarnate God who created all things for His glory. This is who this lad was. Now, folks, keep that firmly in your mind because it's important to appreciate more deeply what happens next. And so Mary and Joseph, after getting over their initial amazement, they pull him aside and his mother scolds him. Remember that? And you would do that too, right? When you find him. You can almost see her motherly finger wagging on this occasion. And this is what she says, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously, Luke 2, 48. Then Jesus gives an answer that is beyond their understanding. And he says this in verse 49 of Luke chapter 2. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But look what happens next. This is what I want you to take note of. Luke tells us, then he, that's Jesus, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Verse 51. You hear that? He was subject to them. Now, folks, what we have here is this 12-year-old lad. Though proven to be superior and wiser than all those around him, including his mother and adopted father, but as great as and perfect and eternally unique as he was, he still willingly submitted himself to the authority of humble Mary and Joseph. No child ever engaged in a greater act of parental submission or honouring their parents than our Lord did throughout his early years. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. You remember, take a quantum leap forward, well, 20 odd years later, when Jesus was nailed to his cross, there he is suffering and agony, the shame that he bore as our sins was loaded upon him. And there on the cross, the scriptures tell us he sees his mother and his disciple John. And so if there was ever a reason for someone and Jesus to be exempt from honouring and caring for his mother, obviously by this stage, I must say, his father had died because he's not mentioned. So if there was ever a reason for Jesus to be exempt for caring and honouring his mother, it was at this time as an extreme moment, right? But not Jesus. Jesus. The Apostle John in his Gospel tells us this, And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his home. John 19, 26 and 27. Folks, there was no one more obedient to this fifth command than our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. In his youth and in his maturity, he honoured and cared for his mother obediently. If Jesus did not excuse himself, even amidst his deep hour of suffering, how dare we treat this commandment lightly? Amen. And yet we've got people in this church who work with old people. People, no doubt, who once were mums and dads many of them have been shoved in nursing homes. I'm not against nursing homes. We put our own mother in a nursing home for our own safety and health because she had lost her mind to a quite a large degree. But what I really find shameful and some of the folks in this church who work with is when people, their age, their parents are put in nursing homes and for months on end no family visits them, no honour, no care, says a lot doesn't it so what does it mean to honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the lord your god gives you i believe there are two basic principles here that we can look at the first is a respect is demanded and deserved now this verse makes it plain that parents are to be held in high regard by their children It's also quoted, by the way, in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 to 3. Let me read that to you. It says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And in parenthesis, this is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. There you are. The Apostle Paul takes up this from the Ten Commandments and quotes it. Now, to honor, what does that mean? To honor... Literally means to give great weight, or, or to hold as valuable. In other words, children are to hold mum and dad in high regard. There's to be a great weight upon them toward on them as children, to the honour and regard they have toward their parents. They're not to treat them lightly or ordinarily. They are special. They're not just two old fools out to ruin your fun. It's very much a teenage mind philosophy, isn't it? They've been placed in your life, whether you like it or not, by the sovereign will of the Almighty God. What for? To be your overseers until you reach maturity. I wonder if you really got that. Your parents, I'm not going to go into how good or bad or ugly they are or have been, but your parents, by the sovereign act and will of the Almighty God, have been placed in your life to be your overseers until you reach maturity. In the early stages of life, while a, children is mature, while a child is maturing from birth to adulthood, children are to be in absolute subjection to their parents. That's their place. That's what they've got to do. They're to be subject to their parents. And so this demands children to be obedient to parental authority. When a child refuses to obey his or her parents, they are in effect, you know what they're doing? They are in effect refusing to submit to the Lord. That's what Colossians 3 verse 20 says. Children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Now this doesn't mean that if your parents are such that they ask and demand of you to uh, do something that is blatantly or, or sinful or wrong. No, we've got to go to other scriptures to find that out. No, no, no. That's, this, is, this is to do with raising and nurturing and giving wisdom. So what it really enforces here, parents, as parents, as those who are mature, we've got to make sure that we teach our children obedience and, sec- and accept nothing less, Right? It's vital that we do that. Let's not go soft on our kids here. We must do what it takes to teach them obedience because it doesn't come natural. They need to learn it. James Boyce reminds us why obedience needs to be taught and demanded. He says this, and I quote, The dark background of this command is to be found in the natural human dislike for authority. That is why the family is so important in God's economy. If children are not taught to respect their parents, but allowed to get away with disobeying and dishonouring them, later in life they will rebel against other valid forms of authority. If they disobey their parents, they will disobey the laws of the state. If they do not respect their parents, they will not respect teachers, those who possess unusual wisdom, elected officials and others. If they do not honour their parents, they will not honour God." And I find it extremely disheartening and upsetting to say the least to see a child or a young person being disrespectful to their parents for whatever reason. It spells trouble down the road and it shows a lack of regard for God. It's simply a sign of deeply Rooted sinfulness that's what it's a sign of my wife being a teacher for 40 years I would love to count how many times she's come home from school when a little 5 year old starts or in his early years has proved super super difficult and one of her pet sayings to describe a situation like that would be if they're like this at 5 years old I would hate to imagine what they're going to be like when they're 15. A lot of truth in there, you know. A lot of truth in there. Folks, there is absolutely no excuse for any conduct or speech that attacks and disrespects or dishonors one's parents. It is a sign of ignorance and immaturity. That's what it's a sign of. And, and, and God takes us seriously. And to see how seriously God takes us, look at the penalties. Look at the penalties that God meted out and stamped in his divine record. Exodus twenty one fifteen says, Anyone who attacks his father or his mother must be put to death. Oh wow. Exodus twenty one seventeen. Anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Leviticus 20 and 9, if anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or mother and his blood shall be on his own head. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Romans one twenty nine to 31, you may remember there, there's a whole list, of, a raft of most heinous sins that are the pits of a depraved mind, as it were because God gives him over to a depraved mind and slap bang in the middle of all those hideous sins, you know what's there? Disobedient to parents. God doesn't treat this lightly, folks. He does not. This lack of respect means there is no place, on practical terms, there is no place for referring to our parents as the old man or the old lady. Don't do that. And increasingly, I hear in our society, in our culture, children, I don't care how old they are, referring to their mum and dad by their first name. I'm going to go all out here. Don't do that. They're not ordinary. They're your mum and dad. You call them that. We honour our parents when we listen to them, we treat them with kindness, when when we share their special days when we go all out to show our love and consideration honouring our parents means that we should be grateful for what our parents have contributed to our lives you get that I always remember being honoured by one of my sons when I asked him one day where on earth he had obtained the skill and know-how to attempt the substantial building project he had begun His reply is indelibly etched on my mind. He said, you taught me, Dad. You always taught me to give everything a go. He honoured me that day. Now, this may be a hard pill for some to swallow, right? As I know and you know, there are some parents out there and you may have had parents like this who are so feral toward their children in colloquial terms that they're not worthy of any respect, we might sum up. Be it abuse, be it neglect, be it abandonment. There are heaps of homes, and I know that some of you here know this personally, where parents are or were not and are way below par on their parenting parenting responsibilities. We know that. So you might feel that you have every reason and, and and a right excuse to say my parents have contributed zilch, nothing worthy of honour in my life. You might be seeing that, but that really isn't true, you know. That really is not true. Your biological parents, if nothing else, have made your life possible. Your mother conceived you, your father has sired you, he has given you life. Your will custodial parents, if you fall into that category, if nothing else, have provided you for, with your needs, such as food and clothing, a roof over your heads, and no doubt some education. Think about the times your parents cheered you on, the positive values that they have taught you. You know, see, we tend to be people who focus on, on, on what others are doing wrong, right? We notice what someone isn't doing rather than what they are doing. We tend to be like that. And it's the same that is true of parents, as we, as we generally focus on what they did not do for us rather than what they have done for us and are doing for us. That's what we should be focusing on. Be it just that a little bit be it the fact that they have given us life, focus on that and honour them for that. God demands we honour our parents, our guardians, even in spite of their failures. And you know what? Every parent has, is a failure in some degree or other. None of us are perfect. But note this demand to honour is not restricted to children, as I mentioned before. It's not restricted to children, but also to those who have left their parental home. We're referring to adults, to those who are mature, whether married or, and parents themselves or not. And some of you right now might be dreaming of this day, right? Thinking, wow, freedom at last. Think again. <laughs> Think again. This will be a time when you're no longer under the direct guardianship of the authority and parents, and that's okay actually God designed that to be right too Genesis 2 and 24 tells us when a father and mother when a person leaves the, at home and cleaves under his wife etc etc but get this right folks even though we leave our home and authority the authority of parents we are still to respect and honor them as Jesus did to his dying day Generally speaking, of course, this will come more naturally as we get older and more mature. You know, our kids, oh, wow, Mum. I didn't realise how much you did. And uh, it will come more naturally when they leave home, uh, mainly because it's now their turn to face up to all the sacrifice and the responsibility and it's now their turn to pay the bills that our parents bore when they were raising us. Mark Twain cynically hinted at this when he said this. When I was 14 years old, my father was so ignorant, I hated to have the old man around. But when I was 21 years old, I was astonished to see how much my father had learned in only seven years. So in summing up this first principle, we also need to realise that this commandment is foundational also for our attitude to any authority that God has placed in our lives. God has placed a lot of authority in our lives, right? And it is true, giving honour to different authorities God places over us, it will look different and, and based on the position of authority they have. You go outside on the street there and a police car comes with his light flashing. That's an authority. You know that you've got to pull over and let him pass. You don't do that. You'll be liable or an ambulance or whatever the case may be. So whether it be government officials, the Justice Department, law enforcement officers, we're to honour them because why? They were appointed by God. Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says that. We're to honour them. I wonder if you thought about that. We're not to despise them. We're not to reject that authority. God has placed even that authority in our lives. And so we're called to honour God through honouring them. And that's what is demanded by God of us as believers, folks. This commandment of giving honour to parents is the foundation and learning ground of our honour to God and all his appointed authorities. We're going to go to principle two now. a reward that can be gained. This is seen in the last part of this one verse because here we see the benefits or the promise that follows this commandment. So that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you or is giving you. Now, we know that these words were specifically spoken to the people of Israel uh, who were delivered from bondage out of Egypt, and um, they were heading toward a land of promise flowing milk and honey that God had, had promised them. and long life in the land was a symbol of god 's blessing. It was an earthly blessing, such was wealth, etc, etc, in those days. That was a, a symbol of earthly blessing. So God is here promising a great blessing to those who honour the authority he placed over them. That's what he's doing. And so this promise is based on a, a, on a general principle, okay? What that means is you cannot say, okay, if I honour God, I'm going to live to 120 years. No, 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 don't, don't go there. It's, placed, it's placed based on a general pr- principle And the principle is this, that blessing follows a pathway of obedience to God's commands. You got that? In other words, if you don't want to see God's blessing, you just disobey Him. God told the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1-2, to 2, this is what he said. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your sons and your grandson, all the days of their life, and that you, your days may be prolonged. The Apostle Peter also in the New Testament quotes the same principle in 1 Peter, 8, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 12. This is what he says. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on this contrary, bless for this you were called, that you may obtain the blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, you hear that? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit and let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. The plain truth of the matter is, folks, God's blessing rests on those who reverence him by honoring the authority he places in their lives. Now, we must understand that this is a general principle because we all know that there are many good, loving, God-honouring folk who have had their lives cut short, right? But as A.W. Pink says, and I really like this, he differentiates between earthly blessing and spiritual blessing. And this is what he says. All promises of earthly blessing must necessarily imply this condition. They shall be literally fulfilled to us if this would promote our eternal happiness. Otherwise, they would be threatenings and not promises. In his mercy, God often abridges this promise and takes his beloved home to himself. I really like that. You see, folks, what this means is the greatest blessing we will ever enjoy is to be eternally in God's presence. Amen? That's the greatest blessing. Our blessings are not earthly. Our blessings are far above that. Our blessings are spiritual blessings. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, that we have been blessed with what? Some spiritual with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. As far as earthly blessings go, we can be confident of the general promise, as Paul says, honouring those in authority over us is what? It is well-pleasing to the Lord. And I'm sure every one of you wants to be pleasing to the Lord, right? Every single one of you, whether you're young or whether you're older, we want to be pleasing to the Lord, Colossians 3.20. And we should be, and we should do so. Why? Ephesians 6.3, so that it may be well with you. I don't know about you, but when I'm out of kilter with the Lord or done something that I haven't, shouldn't have done or thought something or said something, I'm out of kilter, with, out of tune with, I am the most uncomfortable, irritable person you want to be around, I'm sure. Yeah, I know that. I am not feeling good about myself. I'm not feeling anything for God. And it's not well with me, folks. It's not. You know why? Because I haven't been well-pleasing to the Lord. I haven't been honouring the Lord who is in authority over me. The Puritan preacher Thomas Watson wrote this. Disobedient children stand in a place where all God's arrows fly. Now, folks, as parents and as children, as young folks or adults here this morning, none of us want to be in God's line of fire for neglecting this fifth commandment, right? That's not a place you want to be. May we, as God's children, instead stand in the place where his blessings surely come. May we be by God's grace follow the example of the Saviour whose food it was. What was his food? John 4.34 to do the will of the Father, his Father. And so may we be like him. Rights for our lives. Honor our Father and Mother. May God bless his word to us this morning. Shall we pray? Uh, Gracious God, we just thank you for your word this morning, the instruction that we can receive in relation to honouring those in authority over us. Oh, Father, we confess that we are often rebellious and we often want to be the authority over ourselves and have an attitude that no one tells, no one dictates our terms. Father, forgive us for that. We want to be well-pleasing to you, Lord. We want to be well-pleasing so that it be well with us. We want to know the blessing of the Lord resting upon us while we are here. And may our families and may our children and our children's children know what it is to honour the Lord so that everyone who comes in contact with them will be blessed of the Lord as well. So, Father, take us from this place and as we enter the week, the working week, Protect us, watch over us, guard our lips, guard our hearts, guard our minds, guard our eyes, we pray. And uh, Father, may our testimonies be such that is well-pleasing to you. These things we ask in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.